Hear the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to chapter 3, verse 6. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees asked him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told him, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to them, it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And after looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. This is the word of the Lord. So as you know, it's our practice as a church to preach through, uh, preach through books of the Bible. Uh, there, there are going to be aspects of what I'm talking about uh, that will relate to the announcement I, I just made. Um, however, I wrote this sermon earlier. So I'm just going to attribute it to God's providence uh, and his grace towards us. You know, one of the reasons for the state of distrust for the church is the misuse of the name of Jesus through spiritual abuse. And I want to be very clear with you today and throughout the whole sermon that Jesus hates spiritual abuse. Jesus hates the abuse of authority. Jesus hates when his name is used to do wrong and to do evil. With that in mind, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would speak to your people this morning. Lord God, would you open up your word to us? Would you, would you speak to our hearts? Would you convict if we need to be convicted? Would you comfort if we need to be comforted? And Lord, I pray that as I am preaching that you would minister and speak to each and every heart that is here. Lord God, we thank you for your word. It is true and it is timely. And we just humbly sit before you and we ask you, please teach us. It's in your name. Amen. All right, so we look at verse 23. We can see this, that people can use God's laws to abuse others. In verse 23, it says, On the Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So I got to give you some context. Have you been around? Context is 
context as kings. Well, we got what is going on? What's the Sabbath day? What's happening? The Sabbath was the day of the week that was dedicated for worship and rest. And it was serious that the, that the Jewish people honored that. It was a way of declaring, God, we trust in you. We want to worship you. And, and we're saying that you will take care of our needs. Now, at the time of the, the writing of the gospel, a lot of rabbinic scholars, scholars in, in Judaism, they had made a lot of extra rules. I don't know if you, if you know about a rule that, that helps you not do the thing that, the, uh, thing that you want to break. So it's like you, the rule is honor the Sabbath. And they, they started making rules like, well, you can't pick grain. You can't pick up stick. You, know, you can't. They started making all these extra rules that was superfluous. What's interesting is in them trying to honor this rule, they actually negated and looked over some other rules. So what's interesting is if you get, get what's happening is that they were walking on the way to church, to the synagogue, and as they were walking, they were hungry. And so they were picking some grain, and they were eating it. I don't know if you've ever, do you have a snack when you come to church? You know, that's, that's the idea, okay? Now here's the deal. Leviticus 23.22 says explicitly that the poor could pick grain. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap all the way to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord your God. Now here's the deal. One time when somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, I don't have a house. I don't have a place to lay my head. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like that classifies as poor. Would it not? His disciples along with him were following him, not having a place to live, totally reliant on the generosity of others. And so the reality is they actually weren't breaking a law. They, they were just trying to get a snack because they were hungry. And they didn't have a house. They didn't have a refrigerator either, okay? There wasn't no 7-Eleven. So they got some grain. I don't even know. I don't even think that's a good snack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know they were hungry, right? You know, like, let me get some grain because I'm real hungry. See, the religious leaders, they were just looking for a way to condemn and to nitpick. Anyone can use a tool that is meant to help others as a means to damage. Right? A hammer has a particular function, Right? And if you use the hammer to fulfill its function, it's fine. If I use the hammer to slap you up the head, it's no longer fine. Is the, is the hammer the issue? No, no, it's the way that I used the tool. See, see, the reality is people can use God's law and their status as a spiritual leader to abuse God's people. And here's the deal. Is God's law meant to hurt you? No. So when somebody uses scripture to hurt you or to do something wrong, is that an indictment on scripture? Or is that an indictment on how they use it? You see the distinction? You know, some people will use God's law to control and manipulate. Some people just, they, they feel they having a power trip, as they say. They're like, just do what I say. This is how Jesus viewed the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says, they do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries. You're like, what? It's a long rope that has significance. 
They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at the banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. They use God's law as a means to make themselves look better than everybody else. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? Some abuse their status as a spiritual leader for money. In Titus 1, Paul says, it is necessary to silence them, the people misusing God's law. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. Anybody ever use God's law to get some money? Drive around in Cadillacs and stuff? I mean, if you can afford a Cadillac, that's straight. But I don't know. I don't know. Now, some people use a position of trust to to gain access to do evil. I need to be clear. What what I'm about to say is not related to what I began with. I just need to be clear about that. Luke 17, 2, it says, It would be better for him, someone who calls the little ones to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. All right, if you watch the news, you, you know that there are denominations under investigation for the mishandling of abuse. And people use their status as a spiritual leader in order to gain access. Because people assume, and I think it's, a, it's an appropriate assumption, that if someone's a spiritual leader, we should probably trust them. And they took that trust and stepped on it, tarnished it, and abused it. And some, some misuse God's law and status by having a betrayal of trust by not living up to the biblical standard. You know, in church world, you see a lot of pastors having to step down. Some have big churches, some have small. But every time that happens, it's a betrayal of trust. And it makes people question, yeah? It makes people, it sends people into to some sort of crisis. Well, with him, is it everybody? Is anybody telling the truth? If he can't do it, can I? They cast a giant shadow of doubt on God and his grace. And all this is heartbreaking because, because all of these ways that people can, can use God's law and use status as a spiritual leader to abuse is heartbreaking because it is a lie about who God is. It, it, makes, it makes God seem distant or fake. This is why Jesus takes this seriously. The reality is that God's law is not a stick to hit people with. It, it is a gift to his people. In verse 25, Jesus said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And also he gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, again, I got to break down some context, right? Because context is, okay, context is king. You'd be like, who is Abiathar? What about some bread? 
Let's presence bread. Let's get it up. David broke a law, but the law was not meant to simply control people. It was meant to help. Listen, the idea is this, is that there was, there was particular bread that was dedicated to the priests or the, the servants. And, and the reality is, is they didn't have another job, okay? It was their food. They're like, don't eat that person's food. He don't, he's, not working. he's not working at Ace Harbor. He's not working at Walmart down there. He works at the temple. Therefore, he needs his food from the temple. And the law was created so that people who work in the temple would have food. Now, the reality is this. David was fleeing for his life. He was being hunted down by King Saul. He's in a similar situation or even a worse situation than Jesus. He doesn't have a place to live. He doesn't have a fallback. He's, he's hiding in, in, in caves and hiding uh, you know, in mountains. He's hiding. And the reality is he needed something to eat because he was hungry. The law was not made to prevent people who needed something to eat to get something to eat. That was not the intention of the law. Do you see what I'm saying? The intention of the law to have bread for the priest was not so that you could use that law and say, can't nobody ever eat this bread. No, 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 no. If somebody needed it, much like the law about picking grain, if somebody needed it, it's there. It's not a violation of the law to help feed the needy. There's a, there's a command in Scripture that I think is abused often. The scripture, and it rightly says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But people will take that and then go, well, you should never help somebody who's in trouble. That's not, that's not what that means. That is not the, if somebody has a habitual pattern of not working and you know them, then it's appropriate to have a conversation. But what that law is not saying is that you never help anybody. You see how somebody can take the law, a law that was meant for good, and use it to abuse people. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He, he created this law, this idea of, of Sabbath, of the day of rest. He created it for rest. He created it for worship. And he is actually sovereign over the application of the law. If he created it, he can also tell you how to apply it. Okay? That, that's the point. And the reality is, I need to reiterate, is that the law of God is good for people. It is not something that's a straitjacket. It's not out to get you. It's not trying to, 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 to abuse you. The reality, I just want you to imagine. Imagine if the society that we lived in obeyed the Ten Commandments. Would that be a bad thing? Would you, it would be all right if people weren't lying to each other. Would it be okay if people didn't want to steal? Would it be okay if people stopped murdering? And get it's not that the law is this thing to, 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 to punch you in the face. It's actually this thing that protects you. And the reality is when people don't obey the law, people get hurt. So the law is not meant to punish you. It's meant to protect you. What's interesting is that God's law always challenges some aspect of each culture. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. So I heard about this story of a missionary who went to this tribe, didn't have any access, there wasn't internet, and they'd never heard about Jesus. And so they're going to the tribe, and you know, you got, you got a lot of stories to tell before you get to Jesus, right? You know, Adam and Abraham and them folks, you know? So they're, you know, like they're, you know, they're telling the story, you know, you know, it takes a minute, right? You can't do it all in one day. So they're, they're taking some time and telling the story, and they get to the part where Judas betrays Jesus. 
And then something interesting happens. Everybody in the tribe says, Judas is the hero. Yeah. Obviously, they were like, huh? In this particular tribe, it was, it was considered wise and cunning to be deceitful. And, and you would go, well, that's obvious. Why, why wouldn't they know that, that that's obvious? Yet we live in a culture that glorifies bodily autonomy. Let me do whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do with my body. You can't tell me who I can sleep with. You cannot, listen, listen, and, that, and, 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 and to other cultures that would sound, well, duh. But we live in a culture where it's like, I don't know if that, hey, you judging me. The reality is that the law of God always, uh, always challenges some aspect of your culture. And as a Christian, you have to believe from the get-go. Even if this law challenges me, it is for my good. It is not to manipulate me. It is not to take joy and happiness away from me. It is to protect me and to protect those around me. Now, we see in this text that that these folks, they just wanted to control and manipulate others. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man there who had a shriveled hand, he had a disabled hand, in order to accuse him, they, the Pharisees, were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. I want you to get this in your mind. A guy's coming to church. He's sick. His sickness affects all his life. And somebody's standing over there, Jesus, you better not heal that man. Do you think they misunderstood the law? I mean, like, you better not do that. Did you heal him? If you heal him tomorrow, it's okay. But today, this is ridiculous. They missed the point of the law. They missed that the Sabbath was meant for rest and worship, not just random control. The law is not meant for legalism, but for good. You know, as a pastor, I, I have the privilege and opportunity to, to talk to people who are going through a lot of hard situations and to hear a lot of hard stories. And the story that I've heard more than once is that someone, a woman, has been convinced to be in an abusive marriage because of God's law against adultery. That is a misapplication. That is a misapplication. I need to move on. Jesus displays God's attitude towards the suffering and the abusive. Verse 3, it says, he, Jesus, he told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. Then he said to them, it is lawful to do, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Listen, Jesus asked this man to participate in his protest of the abusive leadership. Jesus said, I know they're looking at us. I know that they're trying to control us. Don't let them. No. I'm going to heal you, and you're going to participate. You're going to lift your hand, and they're going to go, oh, he's working on the Sabbath. He's breaking the law. No, they're misunderstanding. Listen, listen. The whole reason there is this thing called 
the Protestant church is because there were some people who wanted to go against abusive leadership. In the, in the 1500s, one of the things that they would do in, in Europe is that they, they had this thing called indulgences. And what they would do is they say, hey, are you afraid your friend or loved one is in hell? Well, if you give some money to the church, that might let them get out. You think I'm making this up. This is absolutely facts. It's facts. Now, listen, you probably love your friends. And the church is saying, well, if I give money, I can get, I can get them out. I know he was tripping. I don't know if he, if he in heaven or not. So I better, you know what I'm saying? Let me write a little check and get him out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so listen, listen. So, so people are emptying their bank accounts because the church is saying that if you give money, we're going to get your friends and family out of hell. That is what's happening. And the capital of the church in Rome is building bigger and bigger palaces, fancier and loftier churches. And then there is this man named Martin Luther, and he said, actually, that's not biblical. Yeah, it's right to get to the church, but not because you're afraid somebody's going to go to hell. That is not right. And so he stood against that. His life was threatened. He had to flee and seek protection from other authorities. But what he said is, we cannot be, be led by misapplications and traditions that are wrong. We have to go back to the word of God to establish what is right. So he stood up against abusive leadership. The cost of his comfort and of his life. This is a calling to us when we see somebody misapplying scripture, when we see somebody using scripture to manipulate and control, it is incumbent upon us to say, stop. No. That is not appropriate. That is not what it's meant for. We are not going to do that. I can't, I've sat with people, I, I, this, this, this makes me so angry, I've, I've sat with people who, who they would finally step into church, and, and I, I would ask them, like, why, why haven't you been to church in so long? This, I'm not making this up, I, this is a real story. And they said, you know, you know, well, I went to church, and then they passed around the offering plate, and then they counted it, and they didn't think it was enough, so they sent it back. What? What? And that's not just one person that told me. Multiple people have told me. That is abusive. That is not right. What's beautiful in this story is that Jesus brings healing to those who have encountered spiritual abuse. See, the man who was healed was caught up in this battle of control between the Pharisees and Jesus. He was this pawn in the hands of the religious leaders. And, and listen, listen, they would rather maintain control than he get healed. Yet Jesus sees him. Jesus heals him. Listen, listen, I, I don't know about you if you've experienced some sort of, 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 of abuse, some sort of misapplication. You need to understand that you can find healing in Jesus. Yes. That Jesus Christ has compassion on you. That Jesus Christ can offer you healing and wholeness. No matter the depths of what has happened, that he can bring joy and peace when there was despair and bitterness and frustration and confusion. Jesus can bring you healing. What's interesting is I want to analyze the attitude of Jesus towards the religious leaders. Jesus 
feels both anger and grief towards those who are abusing authority. And the first thing he says, what does it say? He looked at them and he was angry. <laughs> Jesus get mad, y'all. I always love the meme when they say, hey, when you tell me to do what Jesus do, just know that flipping a table is within the realm of possibility. Okay? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll follow him down that road, okay? Like, like do what Jesus did. You better be careful. <laughs> like, you don't know what he's going to do. Here's the deal. He was angry. At them. He was angry because he's protective of his sheep. Jesus exposes stuff. Jesus, Jesus brings stuff to light because he wants to protect his people. And he hates abuse. He hates trust that's broken. And, he, and he's just not going to let it go home. He's going to deal with it. He feels anger, but he also feels grieved. He's grieved because, listen, he knows the brokenness and twistedness of the religious leader's heart. His attitude is not only stop it, it is that, but it's also you yourself are trapped in something. Something has happened to your own heart for you to want to twist God's word to hurt somebody. You know, a lot of times they would, they would ask, you know, Martin Luther King what he thought about his opponents, the folks who were, you know, putting hoses on people and putting dogs on people and things like that. And Martin Luther King, he would say, I'm, I'm hurting for their heart. Hate, that hate has morphed their heart. That hate has jacked their heart up. That's the Will Brothers translation. That hate has so messed with their heart, and they themselves are in bondage. The people that are seeking to hurt us are in bondage, and their sin has messed up and, and, and chained their own heart. See, this is the interesting thing about what sin is. The way that Jesus talks about sin is that sin is not only doing something wrong. It is that, but it's not only that. Sin, he said, when, 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 when Jesus was explaining his mission, he would say, I've come to heal those who are sick. What is it, Jesus? Are they bad or are they sick? Yes. Yes. And there's that mixture in all of us. That we do bad things, but we've also been hurt. And the fact that we've been hurt contributes to us doing bad things. And then we do bad things, and then we're hurt. And the fact that we are hurt contributes to us doing bad things. Yeah? So I want you to understand the complex nature of Jesus' view towards this. He's not like, you're horrible, get out my face. He's like, you're, you're bad, you're wrong, you hurt people, and you're hurt. You need help, too. That's the view of Jesus. When we get to verse 6, we see that those in authority can use their power to go against Christ. Verse 6 says, immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. There's a lot of context i got to explain. Context is? Okay, cool. Who are the Herodians? <laughs> what do I got to do with anything? Let, let's, let's, let's break it down. So we, we've already established that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, wanted control. Okay? They wanted to throw some weight around. Look at me. Beware of that. The Herodians were their, uh, were their ideological enemies. The Pharisees said, what we need to do is we need to make a Jewish state, a Jewish nation. Everybody needs to follow the Jewish law. What the Herodians said is, actually, let's just assimilate. Can we be with the Greeks? 
it's really hard when we go against them. They obviously are in power. Can we just, just do what they want to do? They were, they were like, if, if, there, if there was ever a, an opportunity for there to be a left versus right, it is this. Okay? And get this, get this. The Pharisees broke their own convictions in order to maintain control and to abuse. They broke their own convictions in order to do what was wrong. The idol of control stamped over their convictions. Now, here's the deal. Just like God's law was created to bless, the concept, the idea, the thing that is power and authority was created to bless. A mother and a father have authority over their child. Why? To protect them, to get them something to eat. The concept of authority isn't bad. And the outworking of authority can be good. So the, the enemy is an authority. That's not the enemy. The enemy is the abuse of the authority. Power and authority were created to bless, but the reality is that sometimes, sometimes it is abuse. Now, there's different types of power. There's, there's physical power, somebody's bigger than somebody. There's verbal power, maybe they can speak better than you. There's emotional power. There's knowledge and skills power, like I know more than you, so you better listen to me. Uh, there, and there's the power of position. All types of power. And power is meant for service, not abuse. If I'm bigger than you and you are getting attacked, that means I'm supposed to help you. That, that, that's the function, Okay. This is why we need the appropriate checks and balances. Power is good, but it can be abused. And when it is abused, we have to address it. The reality is this. Jesus himself understands spiritual abuse. How how do I know? Because he experienced it. I'm going to read you some verses from, from the trial of Jesus in Mark 14. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin, that's the religious group, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for a testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they could not find any. For many were giving false testimony against him. And the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, stating, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not even agree. Translation is this. The religious leaders had a mock trial with false testimony in order to condemn Jesus in a religious court so that he would be crucified. Jesus himself is a victim of those who've abused their power, and he ended up on a cross because of it. Those who abuse their religious power. Jesus understands what that's like. Because he understands, Jesus can share in our suffering. He knows what it's like to be sinned against. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be abused. So that when you come to him with all that weight on your heart, you are coming to someone who knows exactly what you're feeling. He can sympathize with you because he himself has been there. Now, not only this, this is crazy. Jesus is on the cross. When he's on the cross, when he's on the cross, the people who are responsible are there looking at him. The soldiers who crucified him 
are looking at them. Random other people are looking at them. It says they're wagging their heads, calling him names. And in Luke 23, 24, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. The people who put him on the cross. The people who lied about a false trial. The people who have abused their authority. Jesus is on the cross and says, forgive them. They are not only sinners, they are broken. They are not only only culprits, they themselves have been abused. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Do you see this complex attitude that Jesus has towards this subject? Protection and compassion. What I love, the good news of the gospel is that, that the, the real reason that Jesus died is, is, is not simply because some people had a mock trial. The real re- reason Jesus died is he died in our place for our sins. I've already stated that every person in here is a mixture of a sinner and a sufferer. Some to different degrees, depending on what your life has been like. But the reality is, if, you're, if you've suffered, Jesus understands you. It's not if you suffered, when. And when you sin, when you do what's wrong, you know what's wrong after you did it, before you did it, while you're doing it. Jesus Christ, Christ died in your place as your substitute for your sins. His blood covers your sins. You can be forgiven and washed clean. He can, he can all, all, all the, the record of my wrongdoing, and if you saw the record of my wrongdoing, it would not be pretty, just as if I seen yours. The record of my wrongdoing, Colossians says, is nailed to the cross. Yeah. Jesus Christ died so that we could be forgiven. Now, here's the time where I'm, where I'm supposed to try to apply what I just told you. So I got some ideas. We have to be careful that we seek to understand and apply God's command with grace. Listen, listen. The modern danger is the disregarding of the commands of God. That is the modern danger, more than the other one, I think. The modern danger is that people put the compassion of Jesus and then they put it in opposition against the moral standards of Jesus. And because they talk so much about his compassion, they say, well, his mor- that morals, that don't matter so much, man. He's, he's compassionate. That was Old Testament. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. However, this is inconsistent with the biblical data. The same Jesus who had compassion also had very high standards. The same Jesus that said, you are forgiven, I don't condemn you, also says, go and sin no more. The fact of the matter is we need to seek to understand God's commands, not disregard them. If somebody looks at you and says, that don't apply no more, you need to have a big old question mark. Wait, wait, what do you, wait, wait, wait. We need to look at the biblical data and see what it means in light of the gospel. I'll give you a really concrete example. In the Old Testament, there's a bunch of food laws. You can eat this, you can eat that, but you can't eat that. And some people say, well, that doesn't apply today, but let me, under, let, let me help you understand why. 
iniquity and look at this in light of the gospel. The fact of the matter is that their diet was regulated because they were supposed to offer every moment to the Lord. That's the fact. Everything they did, what they ate, what they did, it was an offering to the Lord. And in Romans 12, it says something similar. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Those, those, those laws, we don't have to obey those laws, but they point to something that still matters. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. No, 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 it points to something that matters. That everything you do has to be for God. So even when you're looking at something Old Testament, like how does this apply? You might have to, have, to, have to do some work and understanding, but the answer is never, it don't matter no more. Okay? We have to seek, listen, listen. Some seek to appeal to the cultural changes to disregard what the Bible teaches about physical intimacy. And the reality is, that's not even honest with the context. If you were to go 2,000 years ago and just ask yourself, what does Rome teach about sexuality? Y'all find some wild stuff that you would not watch on TV with your kids. They was wilding in every way possible. They were free. They liked their bodily autonomy. And so people say, well, his law, it's changed, culture changed. It really hasn't, though. It really hasn't. So his application still remains. They're not honest about the context, not honest about his ethical standards. We need to seek to apply God's commands, listen, with gentleness and with grace. Listen, we hold our convictions firmly, but we speak with gentleness. We hold our, like we're not going not, to not, not hold the standard. The standard is what it is. And it might hurt you. The standard might not make you feel great. But when I communicate that standard to you, I'm going to speak with gentleness. And I'm going to speak with grace. We speak the truth while pointing to God's design and his goodwill for people. We have already established in this sermon, would the world be better if people obeyed God? Yes. We speak the truth with a realization that, listen, it may take a long time for folks to overcome struggles particular doctrines and particular sins. I, I can hold the fact that a standard is right and still be gracious with you as you try to work it out. You can do both. And me being gracious with you as you try to work it out, which we all trying to work something out, me being gracious with you as you try to work it out does not communicate that the standard doesn't matter. But, but the application of it does. That I apply it with grace, humility, and patience. So sum it up, y'all. Jesus hates spiritual abuse, and he has created a people who will speak the truth of his grace and his love with humility and with gentleness. Let's pray. Father, some days are, are harder to pray than others. But Lord, I ask that you would, you would accomplish fruit in us through your word. Lord, I pray that we would not uh, be like the man who looked in the mirror and walked away and forgot what he looked like. But I pray that, that your word would sink down deep in our hearts and would produce change in us for the weeks and months and years to come. In Jesus' name, amen.